Hey, Work Positive Nation, how quickly and how well did you and the company you work for pivot during the pandemic? Yeah, that's what I thought. Most of us marched right off our maps into an abyss of trying to figure it out on the fly, right? Well, my guest on this episode of the Work Positive Podcast figured it out quickly and well, pivoting successfully in only 21 days. He learned some valuable lessons about change and work culture, and he's going to share them with us today. So lean in, listen up, and let's learn, Work Positive Nation. Welcome to the Work Positive Podcast with your host, executive coach and culture architect, Dr. Joey Fawcett. Discover strategies and tactics that work positive as Dr. Joey talks with industry leaders who create a positive work culture that attracts top talent and reduces team turnover. Discover how you can create a work-positive culture that increases productivity and profits. Here's your host, Dr. Joey. Work Positive Nation, help me welcome to the podcast, the, that's right, the Alex Atwood. Alex, welcome to the Work Positive Podcast. Ah, pleasure to be here, Dr. Joey. We are just, as we say in the South, tickled to death to have you here. I don't know, tickle pink somehow wouldn't seem to fit me, so... um, (laughs) Maybe, I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, uh, so what was it that you did during the pandemic to pivot successfully in only 21 days? Well, it was a combination of things. The first was a shift in my mindset. So prior to the pandemic, I was very busy building a startup and I was very busy focused on all of the different components that are involved with that. Mm -hmm. And so whether it was, you know, ensuring that my teams were, were, were driving in the right direction or whether it was raising capital in order to keep us alive or whether it was just strategically navigating like a very competitive landscape. That's what Mm -hmm. a lot of my days were, were consumed by that. Mm -hmm. So when the pandemic set in it was it was it was, initially it started with you know some fear right anxiety um you know what i had just spent the majority of my savings on my startup and so um what industry were you in alex i was well i've always been in the staffing industry okay um and uh and and i ran a, a traditional staffing agency by traditional i mean that it was very manual lots of interviews lots of you know high touch with every single person that would walk you know walk in the door we literally had offices where people would walk in and have interviews and things like that and after mm-hmm. 17 years of being in that business things started to shift pretty dramatically things started technology started to catch up and it became more of an industry that I could see had a future in technology in the sense that more and more and more um, expectation from the worker side of, of sort of that two-sided business mm. was using some sort of app, some sort of tool, whether they were driving Uber, whether they were driving or whether they were delivering groceries, whatever that was, yep. our workforce was used to getting on a cell phone and quickly getting access to information. Hmm. And me as a service business industry, specifically people business, it was in, it incredibly important to be able to give as real time access and transparency and have our workforce feel as though they wanted to work with us, to do business with us. Gotcha. Um, and so that's where um, around 2016, 
I put an idea together to put a startup together, which is which was my startup, which is my startup gravy work. And so getting back to March 13th, 2020, I think mm. that was effectively when the world really shut down. And uh, and I remember on that Friday, you know, the business we were in in terms of gravy was uh, providing an on-demand staffing platform, mobile first for the hospitality industry. So basically, mm. if you're a worker in the industry, if you're somebody who wants to work shifts, like imagine you have, you know, like your Instacart, your Ubers, those type of mm. platforms where you can, you know, pick up a, a ride or you can give a ride. Um, in this in this case, you can pick up a shift at a hotel, you can pick up multiple shifts, you can even pick up full-time work really at your fingertips. And oh, suddenly that industry was shut down. Yeah. And it happened literally. I mean, we were all there. It happened within like a week. Uh-huh. So it was one of those things where that last week was lots of like, you know, contemplating like how, you know, how do we do this? And inevitably, um, we had to, and it really wasn't even planned. I think it was only by Wednesday or Tuesday of that week mm. that, that the world realized that things were going to shut down. I mean, it was mm-hmm. just stay at home. It was quarantine. That was it. Mm. So there's no possible way the company in that current form would be able to sustain. It was impossible. I mean, our whole mm-hmm. business model was based on people showing up to go serve in, in, in an environment like that. So right. um, we had a really tough conversation. The majority of my team members at that time, we had to lay off um, on that Friday. Wow. And I remember having that conversation and just thinking how, how much I felt responsible for everyone in that room. Mm. And even though they didn't, um, you know, see this as something that was, you know, caused by us or, you know, any sort of, um, there was no negative connotation to it uh, opposed from, you know, what the world was going through. Mm -hmm. But, but it was one of those things where I said, you know, I want to find a way to bring this incredible team back together because we had Mm. such a cohesive team. People Mm. really enjoyed working together. They really enjoyed creating and, the environment that we had was 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 an incredibly powerful one. Wow. So at that point, I remember that weekend, you know, it wasn't so much anxiety. As a matter of fact, I remember not being anxious in a weird way. I remember being relieved. And that was a strange feeling. And so I started to discuss, like, why am I relieved here? Shouldn't I yeah, be? Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Why were you relieved? <laughs> well, if I if I look back at it, I think I was relieved because there was an incredible amount of pressure at that time to compete, 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 grow, 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 get money in the door so that we can take care of all the initiatives. And I realized, hey, I wasn't grounded. And that weekend was the first time that I was able to feel grounded, to feel as though I could Mm. take a breath and I could like observe my environment in terms of like actually, you know, physically what's my environment, you know, because I was moving so fast before. Yeah. And, but it also gave me like some space to think about what's, you know, what it is exactly that, you know, I can actually do. And mm. what was great about that was when in, in the space of anxiety and, and what I didn't realize up until, you know, that particular moment was I was working so, so much and, and, and accomplishing or thinking I was accomplishing a lot. And, I, and, you know, frankly, I think I was, but I wasn't able to take a breath. And so a lot of what I was doing was reactive Mm-hmm. And it was causing anxiety. It just was. I, I had a daily anxiety feeling when I woke up in the morning, got to get it done, got to get it done. You know, is this yeah. happening? Is that happening? Early and when I went to bed at board. night, mm-hmm. right. So 
in that space of like, there was a clearing there. There was, there was some space for me to think. That's when I remember that Monday, I was so used to going into the office, right? So I said, you know what? No one's in the, I'm just going to go to the office, right? <laughs> By myself, mm-hmm. right? And, um, and so I did. And, and at the time, George, who was my uh, COO, um, him and I had a very close relationship. And so he said, you know, I want to come in the office too. I'm, 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 I'm bored. And I said, yeah, come in the office, you know, guess yeah. what? I'll, you know, I'll, I'll pay you, you, you know, I make sure that as much as I can, I want to be able to support. And we didn't have any income coming in, but I wanted to make sure that, that my COO was able to generate some income because a, I loved working with them and B, I frankly didn't want him to go anywhere. I wanted to make sure that I still had him around and, you know, and I, and so that's what happened. So it ended up the second week, the first few days was me by myself. I had a whiteboard and I started to just write on the whiteboard. I put together, you know, who the market was, what the market was dealing with, what our capacity was, what our strengths were, what could we do in this environment? Mm. And so after doing that, after kind of writing things through, we landed on supporting our existing client base with what they were facing, which was like this unknown, um, you know, this virus, right, that was showing up, finding a way to to be able to have their customers uh, feel safe, right, as in their environment, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and so with that, we 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 decided, okay, well, we have a labor, we have a workforce here, right, that is ready to go to work if we need them to, mm-hmm. um, and we have a distribution method to get them out there to work, mm-hmm. right, and we have all these contacts mm-hmm. with all of these different hotels, vendors, you know, uh, uh, communities. We have all these contacts. And so how can we leverage? So I remember that the week, the following weekend, I went down to, to Miami and had dinner with some friends of mine. And um, it just so happened, one of my friends was importing from South Korea, a non-toxic disinfectant called HOCL, which was basically salt water that was electrolyzed, right? And so they had machines that were electrolyzing salt water to make it a viricide. And the, mm. the thing about it was it was completely safe. I mean, salt and water, right? Yeah. So at the time, and I don't, you, I don't know if you remember this, but there was all sorts of toxic chemicals flying everywhere. People were oh, spraying yeah. stuff all over, you know, yeah. desks. Yeah. My and, allergies you know, were going crazy, man. Crazy, right? And I remember <laughs> going in. So, so, so anyway, so, so my friend, I said, look, you know, we could use that. So, you know, bada bing, bada boom. We ended up, I ended up taking my team at the time, which, you know, software guys, they didn't necessarily have to work for my company. They could, they could went anywhere, right? The pandemic didn't really impact you sitting home and coding software. Mm -hmm. So I needed first to find something for them to do. So I don't lose my whole software team. Mm -hmm. So I was able to negotiate a deal with my friend's company that was importing software to have my development team develop a database software to be able to do what? To be able to track all of the liquid that was coming in from South Korea, to track the machines. Um, so they started to build this really interesting database that had nothing to do with what we were up to, but it kept them busy. It kept their brains working. It kept them actively engaged with me. Mm-hmm. So I had them working on the software. Then once we had the software, well, now we had all this access to this disinfectant that was non-toxic. And through those connections, we, we ended up getting access to um, electrostatic sprayers. Now, that was a really big thing back in 2020 because those were the tools needed in order to be able to actually spray any sort of disinfectant. So mm-hmm. we had access to the sprayers. We had access, which, which no one had access to at the time. And we had access to disinfectant that was very different. 
And we had access to all these, these, these hotels and these country clubs and all these people that needed that. So we created a new company. Um, we named it Sandy Staff. We went out there. We, we, took our, um, we took all of these different components and we put them together into an offering. And the market responded. So we were able to, because we also inherently, I've always done some modicum of skills training. We were able to train up um, a good amount of our workforce to be able to go out and, uh, and spray and uh, disinfect and to run uh, uh, microbial testing on porous surfaces to give mm. specific levels of virus. So we, so we were able to not just go out and spray, but we could give you real data. Mm. And we wrote a, a white paper on it. And so anyway, and the whole process took about, it was three weeks of kind of planning. I'm sorry, one week of planning and then two weeks of execution to just have the game plan there, the mm. website put up, the marketing the business development agreements in place, like all of that happened like within like a, a three weeks to a month period. And that was before we actually, you know, opened our doors. Once we actually opened our doors and had it going, there was a massive response to it. And what we were doing is we were really providing a valuable service to the industry. And we were able to get our team members back to work, albeit in a completely different role, doing a completely different thing than we had originally done. But it was exciting. It was lots of uh, lots of lots of work, but lots of creation it brought us together. And I think what what it was was that really sort of was the catalyst, or the I should say the cohesion behind all of this was the way that our team worked together. I mean, people mm-hmm. loved they just liked working together, and um, from that it really really enlightened in, in me into to how important it is to have a group of people that really enjoy what they're doing first and foremost and ideally also see that what they're doing somehow enhances what they're what's going on in their lives right so Mm, you know whether it's their purpose or whether it's you know you know they're acquiring all sorts of new skills or new ideas through the work Mm. like that i found was extremely important and so having a, a group of team members who are also enrolled in building and creating and excited about that and was excellent and it mm-hmm. you know taught me lots of lessons so it was kind of how it pivoted so it, it wasn't a short answer because it was a <laughs> right I love it was the story a, man a, yeah a, it was a combination of a lot of things right right, right. That, that that got us there alex atwood is my guest on this episode of the work positive podcast you can go to alexatwood.co right now alexatwood.co and you can scroll through some pages there and, and find out more about alex and some of the resources that he offers so you, you began that story by talking about mindset so if we can go back to march 13 2020 uh, mm-hmm. i mean i don't know if there's any real way to capture all the anxiety that you were experiencing in a startup or the fear that we were all experiencing i mean the landscape shifted big time which is a great mm-hmm. understatement right but you said something really important that I want to highlight there. Those unintended consequences of this virus affected you and your startup. But the thing that you hunkered down in and began telling that story about was about how your mindset shifted. And you used the word grounded two or three times there. And then the, the paradox, if you will, of you feeling like, okay, I can take a step back from all the hectic stuff that was going on before that anxiety before but most of us (laughs) we were more anxious you know here you were getting grounded right and and looking for opportunity as opposed to seeing the danger the chinese have a a two-character 
representation for that word crisis. One character means danger, the other opportunity. Mm-hmm. So you seize the opportunity and you, you literally flip that switch for your mindset to shift over. Mm-hmm. How did you shift that mindset? Because most of us, when change, especially cataclysmic change like that, we freeze up, man. We just become so anxious and we, we dry up, blow away. But instead, you shifted, got grounded and, and moved your mindset towards opportunity. How did you do that? Well, first of all, it's not something that uh, just came, you know, without work. So uh, prior to you 20- didn't wake up on that Monday morning and go, no. hey, I think I'll shift my mindset towards opportunity. <laughs> no, no. So so throughout my sort of journey as a, as an entrepreneur and specifically in a business that's all people based, it's like HR on steroids is effectively mm-hmm. what, what I call staffing. Yep. Right. You're dealing with everyone else's staffing needs and hiring for others. Right. right. So going through that journey initially, I found myself waking up with a daily feeling of anxiety, with a daily feeling of like, you know, is every, are all my customers happy? Am I doing the right thing? Is, you know, so there's always, a, you know, sort of a, a, a general thread mm. that would always show up with me, right? And it was like a fight or flight almost like yep. that would kind of drive what I thought was like productive energy. So I had it that, okay, so, you know, the more, you know, the more I'd kind of push myself, push myself, you know what I mean? And, mm-hmm, up mm-hmm. and something's wrong, but I need to push through that. And um, you do that for a few years, you do that for 10 years, you do that for 15 years, well, it weighs on you. And it, yeah, it wears and, you and down, man. It wears you down, right? Mm-hmm. And you're constantly in a, in, in a state of, of anxiety to where you can't even relate to, you know, family members, friends, and all of that, it starts to all become, you know, all one big yeah, ball you lose of your humanity. You do, you really do. So, so I got to that point and I was also raising uh, my daughters and, uh, mm-hmm. and they were getting older, right? They were going into their teen years. And so there was a whole element of patience that needed to be there and, 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 and more opportunity for more anxiety. So I, so I was coming into this <laughs> state. opportunity for more anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, I, really. and I'm a single dad, that, single dad with daughters. So like, I don't, I didn't yeah. really have a female in, in the house to like, you know, wow. to bounce this off of. So, so here I am, I said, well, you know, it's, there's just million different, you know, like arrows and daggers of anxiety coming at me all the time. I, I, you know, this isn't healthy for me. So mm-hmm. I, w- I intentionally started to, you know, put some different practices in and I, and I started to, I learned to meditate, but I never really, it never really took. So I would do it. And then I, you know, would not do it for a long time because I'm like, man, I'm just thinking too much. This is worthless. <laughs> and, uh, and then I remember in 2015, I uh, went through something called the landmark forum, which was a three day, you know, I don't know how you would describe it, but a three-day forum, really, of conversation and all sorts of different elements that open you up to, you know, what really matters and wow. see your way out of that vicious cycle of anxiety and wow. of stress. And mm. so that conversation and that that really was powerful for me. And um, mm. So moving from there, I started to slowly see that my sphere of tolerance was getting a, a slightly bigger. And by that, I mean, you know, when you have a very like small sphere of tolerance, a narrow, narrow, yeah. narrow, yeah. Right. You know, you know, Bridget, yeah, it, you, 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 you tend to, you tend to break quickly, right? You tend mm. to, at any moment, you know, you could be on edge. And, and I found just that conversation and just writing down and, and, and remembering like what happened in that weekend was pretty powerful. And so I took more 
of that. They had three courses I took and then I started down a coaching track. And so I put a lot of energy behind that particular work, which was sort of, and if you're, if you're not familiar with landmark, it's, it's a combination of NLP based conversation with there's slight elements of sort of Buddhist tenants in there, but mm-hmm. it really is delivered in a way that anybody can get it. So it's not woo woo. It's nothing like that. It's, gotcha. it's just very, you know, it's very pragmatic. It's human. Um, <laughs> it's human. Yeah. So, so anyway, so, so that's where it kind of started. You know, I had that after a while, I started to do some other, so like that opened the door for other work. And I just started to go and have, you know, different types of different types of elements to be able to work on myself. And it didn't happen all at once. It took, you know, from 2015, I think it took a, a, like three years. I still had the anxiety and all that, but I had this, mm. there was like a crack in that, right? There was like a little opening that, Hey, my whole life doesn't have to revolve around this. And so that's where I started to really grow like inside. And then I, I discovered psychedelics, like therapeutic psychedelics in 2018. Uh-huh. And then in 2020, as a matter of fact, on the 13th is when I started my daily twice a day uh, TM practice, which is called Transcendental Meditation. Sure. And so that started on the 13th and it hasn't stopped. So from the 13th, mm-hmm. 2020 until today, I've done two times a day, daily meditation. And that's been a game changer. Wow. And that's what kept you grounded in the midst of all that. And how you that's what kept that me grounded. Mental yeah. shift towards the opportunity <laughs> as opposed yeah. to caving into the danger. You also said something else when you're telling your story about this uh, amazing pivot, Alex. And that is, uh, I, I got the sense that you really loved your team. I get a sense mm. that you still do, but mm. you just really cared for them they were more than employees. I, I, I heard some tinges there. They were your friends. But I also heard that the way that this team came together was such that they understood how their daily task really fit into the mission and purpose of the company. Mm-hmm. And so what you did was in that 21-day period, you shifted same daily task, but you shifted it to another purpose but your, your modus operandi was the same. You're making sure that they were connected to the purpose of the company. And so for them, it was a, an internal purpose alignment with the purpose of the company. And that's mm-hmm. amazing. So I've, I've got this feeling that your journey to being grounded and shifting your mindset towards opportunity had a lot to do with your ability to keep the human in human resources and love up on these people. Am I close at all there, buddy? Yeah, I think I've always had an affinity to people. And, you know, once I could recognize how important that was, not just to me, but to the organization that I'm in. In other words, Mm. um, it's one thing to have an affinity, but it's another thing to have an intention. Right. And so after the the 2015, you know, landmark forum and, and throughout that process, I found myself putting more intention around how I was showing up at work. So like, for example, I would, um, I would do an exercise called, um, I think I called it the interview. I don't remember exactly what it was, but mm-hmm. I would sit down with my employees one-on-one and I would, first of all, I would say, look, you know, the purpose of this is for me to gauge feedback on how I show up and please be as open and transparent as you can. I know it might be an awkward conversation, but whatever it is that you want to share, right. I'm here to you know, take that. And because this is going to help me be better. So it's one, some one of the questions I asked was, uh, what can you count on me for? And people would mm-hmm. be like, oh, you know, I can count on you to do this and that and this and that. Okay, great. Now, 
what can you not count on me for? Mm. And so then, so then they would, you know, and a lot of times they'd be like, oh, wait, but the way you <laughs> phrase that question, it's, it's not as if, you know, you're, you're phrasing it in a way that's, that, that's, that's, that's eliciting a negative. It's just, mm. it's just a question. Hey, what can you not count on me for? Right. Yep. And, you know, each, each interview, they'd be more forthcoming than others, but just having that conversation kind of opened up a door of like vulnerability, like, Hey, this guy actually is having this conversation with me, which isn't the normal thing that a boss has. Rarely. And they, yeah. <laughs> and they really want to know, you know, how they're showing up. And, and I think what it is, is there's, there's a lot of power there and connecting just with the person that you're having an interview with, but more importantly, you're actually being what is so popular in sort of the the current climate in terms of you know work culture it's like oh be be vulnerable be this be that but that shows up on you know different types of pamphlets right this is who we are as a company <laughs> does it actually show up in the way the people in the company actually work day to day outside yeah. of their brainstorming session yeah. i don't know i've seen i've seen not a lot and so when you put messaging out there, but you're, but you're not actually, you know, taking on that messaging, like that's sure. how you're being. It's just disingenuous. It validates. Well, it's disingenuous. It also yeah. validates everything you've put up there. Yep. Right. Exactly. So if you're looking at a wall, it says, oh, we are positive where we care for each other and, you know, we're open <laughs> to everything. Right. But everyone around you is being not that. So uh -huh. that, that sign is actually a, not a good, like it would make more sense if you're like, no one, at, no one around here really cares that much, mm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, really. really. Okay. That's authentic. Yep. It's authentic. Yep. Um, it's keeping it real, right? <laughs> it's keeping it real. So I didn't have a bunch of signs around my office about blah, blah, blah. And positivity yeah. is this and that I, I did. That's not what I had. Right. I would just have these conversations and I would just show up in a vulnerable way. And that helped me because it connected me to the people I was working with. Because if mm. I'm showing up trying to hide something or showing up trying to be somebody, and that's not to say that I didn't spend 15 years of my career doing it. I did. Absolutely. Sure. I showed up thinking that weakness was something that you didn't want to ever show and people want a strong leader. But what I discovered was that strength doesn't necessarily come through disingenuous types of uh, interactions. Strength doesn't come through authority. That's not what builds strength. What builds strength is like, first of all, transparency, vulnerability, and real just honesty, honesty in terms of with yourself and with others, mm. because people mm. know it when you're not being honest. Absolutely. And it begins in that order, man. You got to be honest with yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's what you had to do with yourself or what you chose to do with yourself. You'd said, okay, I want to know how I'm showing up, but I also know, you know, that they, there's some things they can count on me for. There's some things they can't, and I'm interested in both and to see how I can grow and improve. And that really creates that learning environment, which begins with the self. And then we begin to express that in our relationships. That's Alex right. Atwood is my guest on this episode of the Work Positive Podcast. So when Work Positive Nation goes to alexatwood.co, which is in the show notes, by the way, in case you're walking the dog around the Peloton or something, uh, what are they going to see? On my website. Yep. They will see, well, they'll see a picture of me. So they'll know that I'm a human being. I'm alive. They'll see. Um, <laughs> that's really see, you, man. That's, that's really me. It's I not mean, AI. Like the, the you I'm seeing right now is the one I'll see on the website, right? Yep. It's me. It's okay. Me. All right. So yeah, you'll see me on the website. I won't have this 
you know baseball cap on, I'll be a little bit more. I don't know if I'm professionally dressed, but yeah. um, so you'll see that, and you'll see some of the things that I've been up to. There's okay. also an opportunity to uh, listen to my podcast. There's plenty there. There's plenty oh, of sweet. blogs I've, I've I've been writing for the past few years. So access to all of my writing. There's we offer um, a coaching um, for those looking for group coaching. You know, there's a link to George Mason University's Center for Wellbeing, where I'm a coach. So there's all sorts of different information about me and different ways that you could either interact with me or, or, or different ways that I could potentially point someone in a direction that could provide support for them. Wonderful. So if you like what you've heard today, go to alexatwood.co and you can pick up some uh, opportunities for you to grow and to do more of what it is we've been talking about today that obviously builds a work positive culture. So Alex, Work Positive Nation always wants to know from my guest, what's one thing they can do today to start creating a positive work culture. What's your one thing, Alex Atwood? Well, my one thing is not to make excuses. Um, so it's really, it starts and ends with you. It starts and ends with you. That's what I would say. And um, you know the difference between a reason and an excuse? Hey, Alex Atwood, what's the difference between a reason and an excuse? <laughs> <laughs> so if somebody gives you Excuse reason. You tell someone, hey, I can't make it to the birthday party, right? right? In your mind, you're giving them a reason. In their mind, they're giving an excuse. Mm. And it's and it and it's it's vice versa, right? So yep. reason yep. and yep. excuses are basically the same thing. It oh, just depends it. on who's saying it. It depends on how it's being received. Right? The receiver may take it in as excuse and the person giving it may may give it as a as a reason. So it reminds me of no, the difference between major and minor surgery. It's all about who it's being performed on. Yes. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. If it's me, all surgery's major. If it's you, eh, they've done that a yes. thousand times, right? So yeah. reasons and excuse traffic like that too. That's all awesome, I like man. that. I appreciate and, it. And there's never limited resources. I'm sorry, there's never limited resourcefulness, even when there's limited resources. So mm, I love it. And you certainly proved that back Thank in you. March of 2020. We appreciate that, man. Thank Alex you. Atwood is my guest on this episode of the Work Positive Podcast. Go right now to alexatwood.co and discover how you can get some more Alex Atwood. Alex, thank you so much for sharing your story and your wisdom. Man, I love your groundedness. Thank you so much for being on the Work Positive thank Podcast you. today. Thank you, Dr. Joey. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Work Positive Podcast. Please share this podcast with your friends who are HR and small business leaders so they can do one thing today to create a positive work culture that increases productivity and profits. I'd like to give you a free work positive course just for listening. It's called Something to Talk About, and it's transformed the work conversations of so many people all over the world. Get your free copy when you go to workpositive.today slash something to talk about, and you can start transforming your conversations today. Remember, it pays to work positive.